Hello, welcome to the Tip Manor podcast. It is the last pod of 2020, which has been an interesting year for all. It is just me and John today, um, Jack's unwell, and uh, Ben and Connor are out and about, but they should be back in the new year. Um, John, there's no other place to start, but what did you get in your stocking? A little bit of Oxford merch, if you can call it that. We got a a dinner set which has i'd like to think tasteful sort of mustard and some have mustard and some have a sort of a navy blue rim to them mm. part of that sort of thing we all do in our houses where we subtly get references to oxford united under the radar of our significant others into the house so um <laughs> yeah no that was good and a bit of training kit and um yeah no not too bad swag Wh- I suppose. which training kit are we talking the one the blue one the kind of the electric blue, the electric blue, but without the uh, coconut milk sponsor on it, which I know you're a big fan of. Oh yes, I'm not. Yes. not I'm not not naming them for a particular reason, other than I'm not sure on the pronunciation. <laughs> the um, yeah, the unethical coconut people. It's very bad. I'm I'm surprised that the spot you can't actually buy the training kit with their sponsor on, can you? I don't think. Which I've, is interesting. I couldn't find, yeah, it wasn't there to, to buy like that. So, yeah, that didn't make that much sense. But um, you were busy um, finding out what Nick Harris had in his stocking, I heard on the radio yes. yesterday. Yeah. No, no I, cringe at all. No, put Jerome in a nice awkward position when he's reading out tweets. And he kind of read mine, then got to the end of it, and then realised that I'd asked what Nick got in his stocking. And then you had a minute of just awkward radio chat with Nick going through <laughs> his latest sweater and then i think they realized they should move on that was great i enjoyed that though thanks jerome if you're listening um i was keen to get and i I said this to you the other day but that the yellow no not the yellow sorry the pink sleeveless keeper kit um that jack stevens has been wearing recently because it just looks glorious when else we're kind of it's like that south american vibe isn't it when you've got the sleeveless keeper kit and to have it in a hot pink like we've got to bust that out and potentially all wear it to a game at some point. I feel that that's how um, much we want to see football. We we'll just charge into a pub in all in light exactly, light yeah. pink in the middle of Rochdale or Rochdale. It's got to be Rochdale. Got to be Rochdale. Yeah, and just be. You know like, that, I always think of that pub. I forget what it's called. When you go to Rochdale away, it's got all the scarves on the wall. It's really nice and cozy, enclosed. I was I can just picture rocking up in there with that pink keeper kit on. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to go to Burton on Saturday because that's a lovely place for a bit of a pub crawl up to the ground, but there we are. Um, On to some news then. So Chris Cadden came up. It was was kind of discussed quite a lot before and after the Wimbledon game. But John, this is a player that played one game for us in... Well, he started one game for us in 2020, which was on New Year's Day a year ago. And he started the same amount of league games, I think I'm right in saying, based on what Dave Pritchard has said, and he's usually right, um, for Columbus Crew. And I just he was kept out of the team by a 34-year-old player who played most of his time in Tunisia. Um, he's got to leave. He's obviously leaving there. But do you think it's right, based on recent performances, that we'd be getting him back? You just hate that guy who played in the Tunisian league. You've mentioned that <laughs> on more than one occasion on the on the pod. Um, it's a difficult one because I 
you've got to think, well, have we really got the cash to be spending a significant amount on a player like Cadden, as good as he is? And KR has talked about we've still got some money in the pot, but you're talking still a, they'd want to recoup a, a reasonable amount of money on him. He would kind of, if he came in in January, he would sort of destroy Sam Long's momentum unless yeah. unless Long went into a kind of pool of centre-backs. It kind of depends on what we want to try and do this season because more sort of offensive ability at fullback is a long-term thing in the team we generally need to get round. But I think I think we'd all love to see him. He was, he was a great player, but yeah, it's a difficult one. Uh, and what, what do you reckon about other kind of positions? KR gave a bit of an update on where we were at and said, you know, kind of on the back of people coming into the side, like Ford had obviously been out of the team, which no one completely understood the reasons no, behind. And Sykes, obviously much publicized being, um, you know, insert quote, frozen out. Um, <laughs> Topical. Then, get, yeah, then gets put back into the team um, and does does pretty well. And his attitude is kind of referenced and how well he's trained has been referenced. So I mean, what I'm, do you reckon is our main focus area now? I mean, I'm resisting the urge to kind of have the slight moan that we always have around transfer windows and KR sort of spelling out far too much detail too early as to what we're looking at. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we can all have a laugh about more wingers and all that sort of thing. I mean, I'm not too bothered about certainly getting another winger in. Um, centre-backs, you would argue that we do probably still need one, but it's a hard sell to a centre-back to say, look, Acton and Moore are, are flying and that's the partnership we want in the long term, but you can come in and play the odd game. But I don't know, maybe that's not a hard sell to some players. I don't know. Uh, we, we were saying earlier, weren't we, that like similar to last season when you had that rotation between Moose, Moore and Dickey, there was no, that kind of worked well and you were never worried as a fan that there'd be any two of those three kind of paired up. And so... It feels like if you're going to get a player in, it needs to be one of those experienced heads that's potentially played most of their career in League One or the Championship, and then they come down to League One and they kind of understand what their role would be. And ideally, that's someone that's talkative, that's someone that trains well with a good attitude, someone that's a good influence on the rest of the team. It's yeah. the Wilder used to do it, didn't he? Like into when we were really having those promotion pushes from the conference, and he was getting like Chris Hargreaves in. Um, Paul Wooten or I just think of some of those other players that had been around and you know you kind of go on their Wikipedia and they've had 16 teams and whatever else <laughs> it's Paul, potentially Paul some of that yeah I know I agree I think that's exactly you know, there's, there's no point bringing in a younger player to kind of learn and they're, all they'll do is feed off the squad ethos which I think we've talked about a few times about needing a bit more sort of personality and drive as you've you've talked about I mean where do you stand on wingers two three or just the one or I just think one assuming everyone's fit um and that Luke Thomas who we talked about on the last pod has been um he's been in the news again with us reference but it was as if Sunderland and Ipswich I think were in for him as well but he's he's pretty small he's five foot six so him and Liam Kelly would could have a nice hug together at oh, a nice height. Where's the height? We need um, <laughs> just. I, I, I thought. Is I think five foot six is quite small I'll in just, today's day and age. Like Liam Kelly stands out, doesn't he? Like a sore thumb. He looks like he's a kid who's dropped his backpack on the pitch and he has to run on and get it. 
I just like I just like those wingers that come in at the back post and you know can be a heading option as well. But did you did you say that this guy's versatile on both flanks? Because yeah, yeah, he he's left footed, um, but he. I think he's been playing mainly on the right, but he can play either side. So I think if you've got someone that is versatile, I'd rather have a happier squad where more players are getting minutes rather than an ex- an extra winger on top of that, um, where people start to get frustrated. And I, d- I don't know, like, because you want if someone's really smashing it, let's say a beater just goes on a run where he's notching every other game or getting assists and. You're not gonna. You don't want to drop him, do you? So it's like then you end up with players that can't get in the teams. And then you've got potentially two, three wingers. And you've got Shadipo up to speed, relatively speaking, as well. Um, exactly. Yeah. I think I think Hansen and Hansen Hall and Sykes will be the really interesting ones because the fresh blood thing. You know, it, it is it is not weird to not have regular players coming in and out of the squad. So I think it, those are the ones to watch. I think we need someone on the right, don't we? It's like we've got Shadipo and Abita, who you know can rotate, and there will be that rotation with those guys as well, based on the opposition. We've already kind of seen that come into come into play. I think with Henry on the right, either Henry can drop back into midfield, and you've got another right winger there that gives you that out and out pace. Um, you know, I think that's that's what we would need. I think you need a winger. That has that can be kind of like a pace demon that can take Henry's position, and either Henry has a rest or Henry drops back into midfield. I think that would be a good thing for us to have an option with. Yeah. Um, the other bit of news, a bit sad, but obviously the Donny game, our first home game of the new year, which was on Jan January the fifth, um, is postponed. There's a load more postponements due to COVID, especially on Tuesday this week when we were playing Plymouth. Um, how do you see all of this going? Do you do you think the season's generally at risk? Do you expect a the season to pause for a period of time? I I don't quite see why it it needs to. But on the other hand, this is where you know, for example, and it's not just blame the EFL for everything, but they've talked about they're going to insist on or fund a one-off testing now. That needs to be happening more regularly. I don't quite see the point of pausing the football season um, because you're going to run into when are we going to finish it and all yeah. those sorts of challenges. But it's just this is unlucky because it's now what's 15, 16 days till we play in the league again. We've only got the tin pot between that, which is the 12. So that's going to have to be a strong lineup to get players fresh again. So it's just stalling our momentum. Um, I think we could just spend ages on sort of testing debates and it wouldn't really get us anywhere I think it's just it's just frustrating but for me I think you've just got to you've got to ensure clubs are being consistent and rigorous and that's an that's an EFL issue and also being consistent on what happens if you don't play a game because lots of clubs seem to be sort of playing games because they're at fear of they feel like they're at fear of getting sanctions but nobody knows what the sanctions are or when they're going to be updated so I just think yeah we just need to kind of push on really it's it's the timing is not great, though, is it, for us? Again, we seem to be picking up momentum. We're unbeaten in quite a few games now. I think we've lost one in 10. Yeah. And let's just hope we get... For, for me, I want to get the Burton game out of the way. And then if a pause happens, then, you know, I just want that fixture to be done because you've got to be hoping that... And we'll get on to preview that in a little bit. But you've got to be hoping we take three points there. And then 
given that quite a few other games seem to have been postponed and stuff, we've got an opportunity to claw some of the games back that we missed earlier in the season and then actually sit relatively comfortably mid-table, hopefully looking up rather than down. So I think it's really important we get that game out the way before any break, but we'll have to see where that goes. Yeah. Um, Right, talk about the football then. So Wimbledon, um, this was a really weird game. So obviously won it 2-0. They came into the the game having only won, I think, one of their last like seven or something, but that was against Peterborough, um, who were having a bit of a weird up and down season themselves, but wasn't massively concerned. And we we played them in the cup earlier in the season where we put out, you know, a, a changed team, got for on pens, I think that was our, but it was very much like a grindy performance. They didn't look anything special, nor did we at the time. Um team was as as to be expected but we got off to a really really good start first first 20 25 minutes um a beater got his first goal and that's a huge thing for him isn't it john to get to get off the mark for his his hometown club yeah that seems to be played quite a lot the hometown <laughs> and i'm just not really kind of i don't know it just doesn't feel sort of actually that natural and, and genuine but we'll gloss over that because he's really on form and looking really good i mean yeah, I think we just expected it to be sort of Wimbledon sit back and try and grab us on the break. I mean, they were unlucky, as we'll probably link to later, about Joe Piggott being injured in the start because he is a really, yeah. really good player that we've talked about. I think he ball. had 12 goals already this season. Um, so, yeah. I'm sure the, a... the team, their team will be built around him, I'm, I'm sure. Um, I did sort of think that Abita's, he was actually pretty poor defending by by the Wimbledon centre-back for a beater to get a shot because he took sort of one or two touches. Yeah, not I o- thought the same thing, yeah. Not, not overly quickly and then managed to get a shot off, which was a good shot. So, but, you know, complain about something else. But the first 25 minutes, I mean, I was listening to it and I've seen the highlights as well and it just felt like the momentum and the style of doing things from Northampton just carried on and we just sounded and looked pretty, pretty slick really. And, um, and obviously Taylor's goal was was fantastic after McGuane did that lovely turn where he got absolutely crunched and you just <laughs> you watch me going that looks really that that looks amazing forgetting that someone's just been absolutely crunched in the middle of the pitch it was that was a nice yeah it was the, one of those kind of like chop slash Cruyff turny type things on the fly first touch around him that was it was decent was it I think it was Kelly wasn't it that dinked the ball in for Taylor to volley it in yeah I think it was Taylor it was, sorry Kelly it was Kelly yeah and, and it was the sort of free kick kind of clever delivery we've kind of been hoping he, he'd be bringing to the team. And then even like Taylor seemed to take an eternity to kind of for the ball to come down. At the, yeah, for like, it to sit up, yeah. Slow motion and then, yeah, and a really good finish as well. Um, and yeah, it seemed like we were going to cruise it, really. It's worth saying, apparently Moose is kind of in charge of set pieces in training. Um so he'll probably be taking a lot of the credit for that. But it, that is interesting. We seem to be from both corners and free kicks a bit more versatile in what we're trying. You know, it's it's been a constant theme for us, especially from corners, hasn't it? Yeah, the, the, the clip, the sort of yeah. clipped ball in, which never seemed to get us anywhere, seems to have moved out. And there's a lot of, um, we're definitely targeting the back post. because Back post, yeah, I was going to say. Acton and Moore seem to be winning, especially Acton wins a lot of headers. And stuff in he has no fear. You, yeah. Do you know that it's honestly a, it's such a noticeable thing when 
he when a player doesn't seem to have any sense of danger <laughs> like he he absolutely attacks every ball and seems to not give a crap like who gets in his way and it's is delightful to watch and even against Plymouth we were saying back post you know I remember Ford came on second half didn't he He started picking up the set pieces and we were predicting where the ball was going and then we were winning it we were like back post Atkinson header and then it kept on playing out exactly as we were calling it I mean jumping to the Plymouth game to finish on the Atkinson bravery to the extreme point there was this amazing bit in the second half and he was about sort of halfway just next to center center circle and Plymouth were coming towards us and the ball had broken. He went head first to basically clear a ball that was like knee height for some reason. And he, I'm sure he got smacked full in the face and it was like, I don't know why he didn't kick it, but he decided to do that. <laughs> and it was just like, he just doesn't, doesn't care. It was, it was, I remember your reaction to that. Just going, yes. <laughs> it, <laughs> partridge. Yeah, it was very partridge. <laughs> It was it was amazing that though there was a John there's an old John Terry clip where he's doing something similar reminding me of that. Um, so yeah, we were two 0 up at that point, and then suddenly Wimbledon from that point onwards, for like seeing out the first half and then into the second, they just seemed they ch- they mixed it up. They changed to a different. I think it was like a diamond formation that we weren't expecting. Yeah, KR talked about how it, yeah it went to a diamond, and I think they went man Mark McGuane as well and um which is a little bit sort of I get that like teams change formations and it works for a bit but this is this whole point about adapting to teams and again not jumping ahead in Plymouth we managed to do it to adapt to the team we were playing so hopefully it's something we're starting to build into the team because yeah we definitely caught us out in this game we were really really lucky to go in at half time, kind of two 0 up, and then even then, I, th- the main thing that we haven't mentioned yet is Jack Stevens. This was his absolute. This was the first time where he'd kind of won. He'd actually won us the game um, by his performance, and he saved. You know, his he was saving things that he didn't have a right to save. Like there was that double save first half that was ridiculous. Um, and then there was another one where he tipped a, a really good shot over the crossbar before half time. Um, we also had, I think, two or three chances like cleared off the line from our perspective as well. And they just couldn't, they didn't look clinical. Like their, their end product was pretty poor. But when they did kind of get it right, we either had Stevens there, who was just absolutely fantastic, or we had even some of our, I think James Henry maybe even cleared a couple off the line. Yeah, I think he was too. I mean, just on Stevens, I mean, this is a huge tick in the box because we touched on this on the last pod with Dave Pritchard that he needed to have a game where he won it for us or made loads of saves and he, yeah. that, he absolutely had that game um, we would have could have even been a draw we could have even lost potentially now it's the next step is that sort of high pressure game against a big team where he does similar things but if you think about the fact he's got he's done the sort of solid six seven out of ten made all the saves he should, not cocked his kicking up type of games. This was the next step up to kind yeah. of... When yeah. People talk about Eastwood and that dynamic. Well, not to sound brutal, but if Stevens is now has a good season and he's our keeper for the next three or four years, then then great. It's part of the progression of any team, not sounding t- totally, utterly brutal. And obviously Eastwood's been fantastic for the majority of his time with us. I, I just think it's... It's quite unusual that 
at home, our keeper is the man of the match. Yeah. And he absolutely shone. And it was so it was so obvious he was the reason why we were we were coming away from that game with a clean sheet and a win. They had Wimbledon had 17 shots to our six, eight of which were on target, and they had 10 corners. Um so yeah, incredible that we came away from that with a with a clean sheet, really. Not not to make light of it, but that was kind of a lot of the games in the start of the season, you probably reverse those statistics for us. I mean, we were being carved open very, very easily in games at the start of the season, as we were at times in this one. But it's kind of nice for us to sort of have the reverse and actually win yeah, games with that's a good point. With with poor with poor stats. And um I mean there was loads of chances. I mean, if you, you could argue though, if McGuane had a chance just before half time or just after. Yeah, that's it. It was where, just before, yeah. Where kind of Taylor passed it across the goal and it probably was a bad pass and he sort of smashed it wide. And for me, McGuane, and we're going to probably we'll talk about it about length this pod, I imagine, is that's what he needs to add. It's kind of, he needs to score a couple. And that was one where if he puts that in, it's 3 0. And then Taylor had a chance right after the second half. Henry put a lovely ball across and it was, I think he got to it or the defenders did and it went just wide. Either of those go in and it's 3-0. And then the rest of the half doesn't doesn't happen. Yeah. It's it. But even then though, like at 2-0 up at home, and I, me and Jack were going back and forth on this, like chatting with each other because I I was getting really frustrated about our the fact that the game management wasn't there and it's such a stark contrast to what happened at Plymouth where yeah. our setup and the way we approached the game was so bang on it was ridiculous but I think to be fair KR did acknowledge like you said in this game that we weren't expecting Wimbledon to do what they did and we didn't really adjust to it but our, the thing that really got me was they were putting us under that much pressure when we did win the ball back it wasn't necessarily like they were pressing us that high, but our distribution was just all over the place. Like Ruffles in this particular game, I just kept on noticing the amount of times he was giving the ball straight back to Wimbledon, so they were coming back at us. But it's kind of, it's kind of easy to gloss over it because we got we got the win, um, and obviously we had that performance at, at Plymouth, and um, Ruffles did did pretty well in that game, but. Yeah, yeah. It, it is frustrating. It was really difficult to watch, and I, I think you could tell on like the all the texts and tweets that were coming into Radio Oxford afterwards. People were like, "That is all about the the win, like grinding that win out. That's fantastic." But the performance was definitely um, we were really lucky, basically. So yeah, and and this hopefully is what is the next stage of the progressions of this team. So we've we've got in the kind of defensive solidity. To a, to, an, to a degree, despite what, despite what you just said, in terms of we've got a solid flat back four and Claire's come out of it and so on. Now it's about that game management, that tactical tweaking to sort of take us to the to the next level. I mean, Long was well in that game and, you know, oh, how things change for one player <laughs> in, in, a, in the space of a game. But KR joked about Long was passing to the fans more often. And so neither, yeah. full, <laughs> neither, neither fullback was kind of... And Ruffles, you know been a few games where you think actually he's sort of not making as good decisions as he perhaps has in the past um but then has that been a point of well actually we're just defense first and less creativity and or is it new partnerships that he's looking to emerge but um yeah it, but you could really tell the radio commentary was amazing because you could really tell that sort of we were it was 
we were up against it and it sounded tortuous towards the end <laughs> it was it was it was hard viewing I, I think the frustration is like you kind of alluded to it there but last season what we did is we would play it out from the back more often than not and force teams back into their own half before then keeping possession so you kind of play the ball forward and then the other team has to drop back and then it frees up your defenders to then get the ball back to them to free up a bit of possession to just calm things down. And there was just none of that. It was it was constantly like pelting it back down the line um, or just making a daft decision for their Wimbledon to come back onto us and not going right the way back for it again. But I, I just, I think we'll learn from it though. I don't see it as a massive, we, we've kind of got away with that one. Um, and I'm sure they'd have assessed the game to be looking at those things. And like you said, KR does kind of call people out at, at times as well. So it's not like he'll be oblivious to it. Um, the reaction was interesting. KR said it was the best Wimbledon team he'd, he'd ever seen. I, I definitely agree with yeah. that. I thought they were fantastic. Like it's worth giving them a bit of credit. I thought they were brilliant. There um, was one little chance they had where they worked it from the right-hand side and then sort of one killer pass through three players. If that had been scored, and I think Stephen, Stephen saved it, if that had been scored, we'd have been all saying that is a brilliant goal. Clap hands. That's true. Yeah, um, he was clean through. Yeah, um, I mean, as well. And when Stephen saved that, so absolutely deserve credit for adapting and yeah, moving on. That they weren't the sort of we always roll our heads whenever we um, play Wimbledon, but that's definitely not the case with this team. Yeah, uh, Glenn Hodges, the Wimbledon manager, said he was kind of struggling to work out how they didn't score, as you can understand. He said. The positives, this is a nice quote for us to hear as well. He said, the positives were that we created a lot of chances against the side, for me, that were the best in the division by a country mile last season. Country that fills mile. me with a bit of pride. <laughs> um, but yeah, he said the amount of shots they had on target, just couldn't believe they didn't score. Um, there you go. But yeah, we we move on. Like, uh, three points in the bag. Slightly ropey performance, but like you said, we got the job done and it could have easily made it 3-0 to kill, well, potentially kill the game. It was, it was still an interesting one at 2-0. Um, but we move on to, to Plymouth on Tuesday. Lovely, lovely Plymouth. Lovely Plymouth. You were really keen to go, weren't you? Yeah, I'd have really wanted to go, even though it's absolutely mad level of distance. But I love their kits as well. I love that dark green kind of thing as well. And I just really wanted... <laughs> two-tone. Really yeah, wanted two-tone to go. kit. But there we are. It was, um, it was still, well, it's still probably one of the best games of football I've watched this year at home in the kind of, you know, yeah. I follow experience jump, jumping ahead, but why not? It, it was just brilliant. It was, uh, I, I'll absolutely second that. I think I, I tweeted afterwards, like it's the most passionate I felt kind of celebrate that celebrating a goal when Sam Long scored yeah. in this. I don't remember the last time I, I hopped around, jumping up and down, just get like... Just we, we don't losing. need to keep it a secret. Sam Long definitely scored in this game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I I, no, I'm, I'm, I think I'm paraphrasing you when I say that, but it's... um, I mean, you know, I watched some Milton Keynes and the Rochdale wins and, you know, I enjoyed them. And obviously when we're losing, it's not as enjoyable, but the sort of intensity of watching a game and chatting with you guys on the call was just just fantastic and I hadn't yeah. felt that for a long time um Aji came in up front uh got kind of a rare start and we, we've seen him start games before where we've kind of questioned his body language and he seems to have that you know label as like a super sub be it that he he, 
he, he's more direct and he can cause teams more problems when he comes on as a sub. Doesn't necessarily have 90 minutes in his legs. Uh, Shodders came in for a beater on the left. I think a beater was his missus was induced, so he was yeah. with her, as you can understand. Um, and then the other interesting one was Hansen, wasn't it? Coming into kind of the Gorin role, obviously Gorin suspended, but I thought he had an all right game, didn't he? I thought he had a yeah, I thought he had a really good game. Um, I think we both agreed that it was likely they just do go back to Kelly as the um, defensive midfielder. Um, because it was probably a bit of a, a leap for Hansen to go straight in. But I thought he made a lot of really good decisions, particularly like second ball headers. He always seemed to head it in the, to the right per, the right time and make the right decision. And yeah, I thought he was he was intense. Um, and when we sort of switched it a bit and it was Hansen and Kelly flat in a two, they were absolutely dominating that central midfield. And um, it was a nice, nice thing to happen. Um I and mean, that that's probably one of the things KR's referring to, maybe, when he talks well, about I think the transfer window. What was interesting is that um, I agree Hansen did well. And I, what I actually also liked about him is when Plymouth scored. So the first, like, 20 minutes, I thought we were pretty shocking. Yeah. Um, we, we looked really poor. We weren't getting any kind of possession. Every time Plymouth went forward, especially down our right, their left, their number 15, what was his name? I kept saying it, Connor Grant, I think it was. Callum Grant, maybe, but yeah. You were drooling he, he, over him. Well, he he just looked, he was so direct and he kept on getting Sam Long in a flat-footed position where Long couldn't make, you know, he just showed Grant where he was going to, where he was going to gamble and Grant went the other way and it just kept on happening. And then he he eventually, a bit of like indecisiveness from our play, they, they get down the left, they score a goal. It looks dead easy. Um, I was kind of thinking... God, we're we're in for something here. And then KR referenced after the game that we started with more of a four-two-three-one with Hansen and Kelly kind of in that joint holding role. McGuane playing more as a ten, but he said as soon as you know that goal went in, he was like, right, well, this just is not working. And then from that point onwards, that everything I don't really know what we went to, but I'm guessing it was more the four-three-three that we used to. I thought it was the uh, other way around, but maybe maybe I'm wrong about uh, it. I think, I think they started holding together, but maybe... Because there was issues, because McGuane and Kelly were kind of switched round, which I thought was odd, because McGuane clearly does all his best work on that left side of things, um, kind of in the camera. Especially when Abita's with him, by the yeah. looks of it. Yeah, absolutely. And they seem to be getting in the way of each other. But then Plymouth, to be fair have got one of the had one of those systems or sort of three five two thing where it's actually very well drilled. Their midfielder was kind of moving all over the place and we just kind of couldn't get to grips with it and couldn't kind of disrupt them. Um and they looked pretty pretty decent. It was always space on the right hand side as well, which was yeah a problem. Um and that's why it's so, such a credit to KR because he really did completely change how we were playing. And we went more direct, but not in the sense of hoofing it up the line or clipping it up to Taylor where he's going to have, not Taylor sorry to Adji when he's going to have no chance against three centre-backs it was a lot more sort of um, we weren't stringing five passes together but we were sort of knocking it into channels and sort of just pressing them really well we were saying that weren't we as well whilst we were watching it like we've had we've we've definitely called out the team multiple times for just being direct for the sake of it and smashing the ball towards Taylor, assuming it's going to stick and we can move up the pitch. And obviously the ball just came flying straight back at us. And 
yeah, it seemed to be like more thoughtful direct play than anything. Like I remember a couple of really good crossfield passes hitting Shadipo where if he managed to, you know, get the turn on the defender, then we're completely in. And that happened a couple of times. And Aji, you know, has that in his locker to either spin off the defenders and be played through or to actually hold the ball up. I thought it worked really well. And after 25, 30 minutes, we obviously got a goal back pretty, you know, just before half time, didn't we? But then even in like the five minutes after that, before the halftime whistle went, we were absolutely bossing them. Um, really good set pieces, causing loads of hassle. Ruffles nearly, he obviously got the first one where he stabbed home after a bit of a jumble in the box, but then he nearly scored again, didn't he? Like after a knockdown from a Hansen free kick, I think more knocked the ball down, then Ruffles had another kind of diving header. It was straight at the keeper, but if it was anywhere else in the goal, it's a, it's a, it's a brace for Josh Ruffles after me and Jack were... <laughs> having nice debates about him. Jack must have been giggling to himself. <laughs> um, but yeah, like we went in the halftime thinking... We were just swarm, swarming them, yeah. really. That's how it felt to me. And the first 25 minutes, you'd be you'd be all saying like, Plymouth, here we go. They're a proper, decent footballing team. And then we just kind of swarmed all over them and sort of knocked that away. And McGuane's like, he's now the player I think we thought we signed who, when he's free to roam and he looks really fit, as well like he's seriously covering the distance but he's got the confidence he's not having to worry too much about sort of where he is in relation to the rest of the midfield and tripping over Brannigan and, and, and issues like that which I thought happened in the early games in the season he's just sort of knows his role and can kind of he's not scared to kind of take people on now yeah yeah for sure I, I noticed a couple of times still second half that he was on one of those driving runs he was looking up for passes and sometimes they weren't there. And he was like, do you know what? I'll carry on. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. Part of me felt like sometimes he doesn't, shouldn't even look up. If he's got that space in front of him, he should just go. Um, I still feel like the, the decision-making is, is the thing with him. Like, like you've said that final product when it comes to his shooting or that final pass, I, I feel like he looks absolutely in his element when he's driving through the center of the pitch. Um, when he, like when kind of he, running through the lines when he cuts in he cuts in regularly and shoots when one of them goes in I think that that's going to be sort of the could be next level of, of yeah McGrain, the confidence builds as well. that he needs because he's clearly creating all those legitimate shooting chances and I would always be like just shoot give it you know just go for it um, yeah but no it's a real a real positive where he's at um, another real positive so we we're obviously at one all. The game at this point is horrendous. I think this is why I enjoyed the goal so much. It's it's really tense. We've we've played we're, at this point. We're the better team. We're into like the seventy fifth minute or so. Um, and when it's like that, you're kind of like God. I think, I remember saying to you and Sam when we were watching it, God, if we come away from this with nothing now, it's going to be really painful because of all that effort we put in. And one thing we haven't mentioned, John, is that the press, isn't it? It's like, yeah. have you ever seen us play, like press that high up the pitch, this that consistent, that consistently? The amount of effort that must take. Like, I thought it was absolutely brilliant to watch. That I think keyword you said there is the consistency in the press. I, I don't recall too many times where we've managed to do it for such a long period, and probably on a pitch that was well, they were all covered in mud, so it must have been heavy as well. Um, Maybe it's helped by the fact we'd had a reasonable run in before it, but it was absolutely 
on on the Plymouth players, one in afterwards, and also just kind of as we touched on earlier, not not overcomplicating our passing. We were we were much more prepared just to sort of get it into dangerous areas, not aimlessly chipped in, but directed in. But you know, I don't think we necessarily sort of strung seven passes together like we do, can do. I think it was just yeah. much more sort of direct in a in a sort of tweaked sense of the, of the word. It, it was. I just don't think I've ever seen us press like that that successfully and completely ruin the opposition's kind of game plan like they had no outlet really and you know the kind of thing I described about the Wimbledon game is how it felt must have felt for them and I think I saw it on Twitter when I was like doing that thing to make yourself feel really good as a fan where you just look at the opposition's you know hashtags and then see how all the fan base is feeling. But a lot of them were saying, we can't play the ball out like that. It doesn't work. We were getting yeah. pressed. We couldn't deal with it. And we kept on persisting. And so that was mainly like their fans' frustration. They could see that we we knew what they were kind of set up to do and we stopped them from doing it. And they tried to persist through it and it failed ultimately. And um, how many teams have done sort of what we did to Plymouth to us and completely rattled us? So it's yeah, another it's yeah. another stage in that that evolution um not that KR would I mean of course KR would say we do adapt tactically in games and of course we do try different things but it felt like a real sort of no this is how we get at this team and it absolutely worked so we're on 75 minutes and Sam Long <laughs> decides to become the Oxford Cafu get the, or uh, Danny Alves get the Celine Dion music started oh. off already do I was you know going, what? I was going to say to the, Caf- the Cafu reference. Like that was one someone someone messaged the uh, the pod, and I was like Cafu, and I was like, yeah, that is absolutely. No <laughs> Do you know what? When I, I once put over did you know I put the Celine Dion thing on the Ruffles goal after Shrewsbury, and then Sony got in touch <laughs> to request for money for using the Celine Dion song, and I was like, I don't think I'll be doing that. Well, I, I, I paid. Take I down paid. The tweet. I paid your bail for that. Like, <laughs> you still owe me for that. Um, it does deserve the, the Celine treatment though. But like, yeah, he the thing that I actually love the most out of this is that like of, at this point in the game, it's about, sometimes it is about gambling, isn't it? And making, you know, taking risks to get the reward. And like his initial touch, Sam Long, win, you know, he wins the ball back at the back and he has to make a decision. He's got two players around him. If he loses the ball, Plymouth are in. Mm-hmm. And he he takes it round and just plays it in between both of them and just runs. And he could have easily lost the ball at that point. So that that for me is like the main thing. And obviously he's just like, right, screw it, I'll keep going. I love the point. Yeah. The you know, point. the fact he points, he's like, right, do you know I'm here now? Just give me the ball back. And Sean Clare, who'd obviously come on, and he who looks real I, I know I I keep giving him a lot of praise, but I do like the dynamic kind of quick acceleration that he gives us on the right versus, you know, others in the squad. Oh, he's, that- he's clearly a, a, a proper footballer in that position. He's clearly pacey. Um, how sort of good he is in the grand scheme of things, I'm, I'm less convinced of, but he's absolutely an, an option and genuine pace. And that ball, he's, that he's ball got three assists now, yeah? Yeah, like yeah. He's, he had a sister um, Wigan, which was very similar, wasn't it? For where he drilled, pulled it back for Henry um then he had the, obviously this assist for long where it was it was absolutely on the money that pass um yeah, completely let, let, intentional let, as well let's get back to long like i mean that, that is <laughs> i'm sure like that's the sort of thing ex players would say that's not an easy finish <laughs> and i'm sure it isn't um 
there was an amazing bit on the commentary where Stevie Kinnebrew is like, yes, you don't. Yes. Nathan Cooper's like doing all the, you know, the build up and like long to Claire and so on. And then all you from Stevie, Stevie is, yes. And you're like, it's just absolutely brilliant. Cause it's like where we all were. And um, I think I said afterwards, that's the best thing that's happened all year. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then remembered, I suppose in an Oxford context, it could well be. I don't remember thinking there are other things happened in my life that are probably better than Sam Long scoring this this, <laughs> this year. But like, yeah, be careful. But you know, I think everyone was just that's just Jen. That was the joy of football, wasn't it? It was absolutely brilliant. I, I like I said, I don't, I don't remember the last time I've reacted like that to a goal. I think it was the tension around the whole game is what does it. Yeah. You know, and the fact that there were fans in the stadium, do you know what I mean? Creating a bit of an atmosphere that you could hear through the radio. Getting and then, on their when team they're getting well. frustrated, yeah, yeah, you could hear their frustration with their team's performance and stuff. And we're like, right, we've got to capitalize on this. Like, we deserved it. Um, but yeah, great. I think, again, I'd love to see, we're hopefully getting the Oxford Analytics guy um, on, on the pod. So he might be able to give us some some data on this if we ask him. But. The Sean Clare, so the assist to Wigan, the assist there, he had the other assist for one of the Taylor goals, I think, the other day. But for the amount of minutes he's played in the on the right wing versus assists and stuff, or like key passes, I'd be interested to see what that looks like. So he's looking like a really good impact player you're in so, that position for sure. You're so team Clare. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's a positive. It, having him there, I think, absolutely. And... Um, Shodders, I think, um, that was, I, I'm probably wrong in saying this, and this is why we need Jack for these situations, but I think that was the first 90 minutes he played. He probably got subbed as well. But he looked, um, I thought all round, I thought he had a pretty good game on the left, bar a couple of occasions where he kind of pushed the ball too far and kind of went on a bit. But, you know, he won the penalty. Probably not not a penalty for me, but, well, did you think it was yeah, a penalty? Yeah, I, I didn't think it was. I would be really disappointed with that and I, I thought the one they I thought oh, the pen we gave them was a pen but yeah, I thought this one was really soft I just um, I think we were all worried that he was going to do the Penenka, Penenka. <laughs> I, I hate I hate Penenkas like there's only one person in the world which is Andrea Pirlo who can do Penenkas and he doesn't even play anymore everyone else should be banned from it because it's just it's just nothing gained I, I just see it as a really selfish penalty. Yeah. <laughs> like, because it's all about, a Penenka's all about the individual. And if it pays off, they look great. There was if one, they miss, it, does, it impacts the team. It doesn't really matter. But like, you've got to nail it, haven't you, when you have a penalty? It's just, un, yeah, unnecessary. There was one, it was Leicester. I think it was Jan Kamergat or something like that. And it was in a playoff semi-final or it might have even been final. The Watford game. Yeah, and he Karachan, did Jim Karachan, yeah, the player we've signed before, and he did one. I'm, I'm might be getting this wrong, but I think he did. And they didn't. They lost the shootout because he tried a Penenka, and that was for me. And many examples where I've always been hated them. Uh, I thought you meant the the Watford Leicester game where they Leicester missed a penalty and then they went up the other end and Deeney. No, no, he, he gen, this one. guy genuinely lost them Penenka. a big game because he took a Penenka. And it was like, that's, oh my God. that's just ridiculous. And this was, you know, a big moment. And to be fair, Shudders put it away really, really well. And then, as you say, Sam Long gives away the penalty and then should have been booked, was booked. Do we know? Oh, yeah. I've completely, we kind of glossed over that, didn't we? But we were saying he's sent off. And then, okay, didn't we then think it was more? 
But then I thought more got booked. I didn't really understand what was going on. More got booked, you know, the official readout got booked around that, although it must have been for insulting Mr. Huxtable's wife because he was nowhere near making <laughs> he was nowhere near making a challenge. He wasn't involved. It was pure Sam Long. Um so I thought I mean I thought Sam Long's booked in the first half as well, but Sam Long made the tackle way after the penalty and he looked like he thought he was going to go. And that's sorry, that's when he was booked and he thought it was going to be a second yellow. So it was all absolutely bizarre. Yeah. Weird. And it, it, it we did obviously have a really nerve-wracking last 10 minutes as a result of that. We went into like 96, 97 minutes as well, didn't we? Um God, Brett, Brett Huxtable. We were watching um, the game with Sam, weren't we, one of the other Oxford fans, and he um, he was really compliment. He loved Brett's uh, body shape, didn't he? Maybe a few too many pigs in blankets at Christmas, but he was curious as to whether he would just linger around the centre of the pitch, just pointing rather than following the play. But He, he looked like he, had, he was one of those refs who looked like he um, had that little bit of ego about him. Yeah, I liked it. I think I said he looks like the sort of referee or the sort of person who adds Anator to the end of his own name as a nickname. <laughs> like the Bretonator. The Bretonator or Huxtonator. Someone who gives themselves a nickname when it's not been earned or asked for. And refers to themselves in the third person. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought of him. <laughs> it's just based on oh. nothing but appearance. But there we um, are. So Thanks for that moment, Brett, though. I did, I did really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, Sam kept referring to him as a beautiful specimen. That's what kept on cracking me up when we were watching the game. Um, KR, after the game, um, referenced the high high press as well, said it kind of worked really well. Um, the players, again, fantastic, as we talked about, to kind of implement the tactics. But KR deserves all the credit for setting up the team as he did, um, especially on the back of Wimbledon, as we were talking about, where... It felt like game management was we it was out the door. We didn't really know how to how to deal with them. Um and yeah, we just look set pieces. That's the, the key four I took away was just like we look so dangerous every time, causing utter chaos. Like every time we have a set piece, whether it's a corner or a free kick. And some of our free kicks were like just inside the opposition half type thing. Yeah, I mean um aiming for more and Atkinson for the knockdown, and it seemed to, it worked countless times. So Ford's delivery when he came on was was superb, really, and um, and of course we've got to give credit for um, KR and his uh, observations about the the floodlights. Um, hey, what was this? Jack was talking about this, wasn't he? So what was it? So basically, KR spotted before the game that the angle of one of the floodlights, basically, if you were sort of looking towards it, you know, if you look at a bright light and it kind of just blurs your vision. He was saying, well, actually, if we get a long throw in a certain part of the pitch, if we can throw it into the box, it will cause challenges for the defender's vision. So actually, it's probably a good strategy. So he was saying they all of a sudden were like, who's got a good long throw? We're going to do long throws in that part of the pitch. And I think we did it a couple of times and we sort of made a couple of chances. But it was Sam Long, I think, doing the long throws. And um, yeah, he emerged from... uh, under the floodlights with an absolute Cafu-esque goal as well. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so looking at League One then, and you know we were, we were talking back to the point earlier around let's hope we get the Burton game done because we're obviously on this unbeaten run now. If we're, we're sat like 15th, if we manage to win 
we, we've obviously got games. There's, in fact, it's a complete mess. The table, isn't it? Really, <laughs> like in terms of games in hand and who's played what. But like MK Dons, who are the place above us, have played two games more. Accrington, I still every time I look at the table, I'm shocked. Like how they've got like four, three, four games in hand on teams. They could go top of the league if they win three of yeah. their four games in hand on other teams. I think you've um, got to mention MK's last results. A uh, smooth four-one uh, away at Swindon, who's formed. Do you know what though? Since we yeah. lost to Swindon, we've they've been absolutely garbage. They've shipped countless amounts of goals and have plummeted down. And it for me it actually makes that defeat. I don't. I don't. Know. I'm obviously delighted they're struggling, but like at the same time, it really hurts that they're that poor. Drums it in as such a missed opportunity, isn't it? And yeah, exactly. Shrewsbury, uh, Shrewsbury, the latest one who were going on an absolute stormer, but then you know every team just loses to like people they shouldn't and um it's just there's a good example in burton that we'll talk about in a sec where well they beat charlton 4-2 and we yeah, can beat charlton yeah. for toffee and it's just happening so much it's just yeah it's, it's just bizarre it's if, if we back to the thing obviously we'll talk about burton now if we manage to beat them and obviously burton have ships you know twice as many goals i think you were saying compared to us 45 Goals well, they've conceded in twenty-one yeah. games. Yeah, they're thereabouts. We've conceded twenty-six, and they've conceded forty-five, and That's... they've lost. They've conceded three against. Sorry, four against Wigan. Um, Kane Hemmings scored at, in the, in that game, which I'd forgotten he was. Um, he oh, was yeah. there. But if you think how poor Wigan were against us, admittedly, they then beat Sunderland away, which is another example of bizarre wins, but. Yeah, Burton are kind of have scored as many as us, um, but have shipped forty-five, which is obviously way. I mean, there's only other one other team that's in the forties, and that's Swindon, who are in twenty-third. Yeah, if if they if we beat Burton though, we could potentially be around six points off um, the playoffs. I think we're seven points off now. Um, I reckon with the amount of teams above us, but that that's just for where we were a few weeks ago. I think that's that's fantastic, and you we, you open a door again where you're looking up rather than worrying too much about what's behind you. Um, let's hope Swindon keep falling through that that d- trap door. Let's call it. <laughs> um, what about Burton then? So they've obviously just had Clough. Obviously left them last year. They were in real financial difficulty. He wanted he left just to give them some extra money to spend on the the playing staff. They're light on the coaching staff is what Jack was saying. Obviously, Jack lives really near to Burton, so knows all about them. And Jay Buxton's obviously just been sacked because they lost to Wigan last time out, which was obviously on Tuesday, 4-3. Um, and Wigan are picking up, still managing to pick up results, even in this dire situation that they're in. So I think that was the final straw for Burton. And then wasn't Jack saying the Mickle over manager? Um, well, there's been linked to it yeah I mean Burton seem to be one of those clubs that I guess have never had the biggest budget but seem to have been genuinely like hit hard by and obviously by the kind of Covid sort of impact because you say they seem to have got a pretty small setup they've obviously had to bring in a I mean Buxton was playing for them last season I'm pretty sure so it's kind of a it's the equivalent of Moose taking over as manager type of job um, yeah. but yeah they've I think they conceded 12 in three. Um, it's a bit of a nervy one for me because I think they've got some useful players like 
in their defence, admittedly, <laughs> conceded 45, they've got <laughs> Rayford, John Joe Tool, um, Bostwick. And then in the midfield, they've got um, Ryan Edwards, who was decent against us when we played them away last season and draw two all. Up front, they've got Lucas Adkins, who, who played for them in the Championship. And to me, always looks like one of those players that you think another team would go, yeah, he is a decent League One striker. Let's Surely we can pay him more than what he's getting in Burton to, to play there. So whilst obviously bottom of the league conceding like tons, I just think they've got some quality there. But it, it, I, 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 this could be a good example of, well, everything else at the club is just dragging the first team down because it's an absolute dire straight. I, I just hope that, like you said, they've conceded 12 in three. I don't think we're the type of team they probably want to come up against at that point. And like they've got, they've won two games out of 21. Yeah. You just got to hope that on our form, we're on, we've lost one in 10. We're unbeaten in the last five or six. We've won four of our last, was it three out of our last five at least? Um, I think we, you know, we've got to be, if we can get this over the line and, I just hope that the games aren't canned before um, Saturday. I just hope we get this one done and then I fully expect the season will be paused, I think. but um, it, It's an absolute cliche, but against Burton, we've got to wait and let it happen. We've, we've got to sort of sort of stay in that game and then, then impose ourselves, wait for them to start sort of panicking, losing confidence because um, they can score goals, it seems. Um but yeah, it would it would sort of really round off this set of games that were kind of playing playing the big teams. We came through playing the poorer teams and winning games. It would be a really nice way to round off before probably a new set of five games where the fixtures are a little bit more sort of um, harder or, or kind of challenging, I suppose. Yeah. What What do you? Um, I bet it's back to the thing though, like. We're not playing because of the Donny game being called off. You said this at the top end of the pod, didn't you? Like Northampton is January 16th. So we're going to have over two weeks between the league games between Burton and then Northampton, assuming Northampton goes ahead. So again, it's back to the thing of you don't want to be dwelling on something in that point, do you? It's, It's a really important game, honestly, for how our season pans out. I'm nervous, but excited at the same time. Yeah. Um, John, like at this point, looking at the new year, where where what's what's your prediction? What what do you reckon will happen based on where we're at now? Assuming all the season goes ahead and everything plays out as it needs to, well, what are you going to be happy with, or content with, or disappointed with? I think, as you touched on when we talked about the league table, even though we've had such a poor start, and I think it was the worst start under KR, it all of a sudden looks like we're not that far away from sneaking into the playoffs. And I think I predicted sixth at the start of the season. Um, I still think teams can look at us and go, there is a way to play against them. And, you know, we're not always going to be able to nail that high press to the level that we did against Plymouth. And we generally always do seem to want to play a high press, as most teams do. But the fact we've solidified against the, the worst teams is what I find encouraging. But I'm not sure we're at a standard yet where we can play a Doncaster or a Portsmouth or off the off the park and we've probably got a lot of those teams away now oh, that yeah. might be, that might be, sorry in the next half of the season so I don't know I 
I think we'll probably do what we do generally, which is have sort of runs and then go, get a bit patchy. And um, But the league's so up and down that we just don't know when that's going to come. I think we can have a good positive development of the, t- of the team. Whether we kind of get to having a shot at being in the promotion mix is is tough, but I think we're in a hell of a more secure place than we were. And I, I don't have any worries about relegation, he says, no, no. whatsoever. There's there's no way we're getting some of the results we're getting and needing to worry about relegation. But where where, t- where would you... Because I, I, I think you went uh, second in the league. Second, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> would you care I, to... I, I honestly... I, I'm. I really do think we'll have a shot at the playoffs this season. I think we've got yeah. the depth in the squad um, to really go at it. And you've also got players that are de- that are so early on in their development, like Shadipo Atkinson, even like players like Kelly, who need that kind of grounding and consistent game time and whatever. Like these players are going to get better. Because Brannigan and Winnell and Windle are another cliche, like new signings. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So no, I'm sticking with sixth. You can stick. I can't with, like you, can, it. you can stick with second as well. <laughs> I'm, I, I just think I, I think we've got a really. We'll be in the playoff picture. Is is what I'll, I'll downgrade to. Let's say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just like you said, like Hull, who looked unbeatable at one point, haven't won in their last four. They've lost their last three games and drew the other. And like you wouldn't have said that a few weeks ago. I just think teams, it's really hard to get consistency. And at the moment, it's only us and us, Shrewsbury and crew who have really found that consistency or at least gone on some unbeaten runs. And let's just hope we can keep that going and add one more to it on Saturday and add some more players to the squad to even increase that depth. Um, yeah, right. Just under an hour, John. I think we've done all right. Or we need what, to do what you do? Two, it's two of us, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's New Year's Eve. Anything planned? I'm hoping to play tennis later, like late tennis. afternoon. Um, might be a bit cold, but um, beyond that, in terms of the evening, absolutely nothing. I haven't done, to be honest, does one of those boring types. Hasn't done anything on New Year's for quite a few years now. Yeah, no, standard. Are you more of a Tim Henman or uh, Andre Agassi? Oh, and, oh I, I, on both. I mean, Tim Henman both. was a seriously good tennis player. You just need to, you just kind of people get sucked into kind of some of the bigger disappointments. But Agassi was one of my favourite players for sure. He was exotic. Yeah, in a French kind of way. Was Wait, he French? He's French, isn't he? No, he's American. Was he? He's like maybe he's got some sort of French Canadian in him or something like uh, that. Maybe I'm getting confused with Greg. He had a lovely rat tail in the in his early days as well. Well, this tennis talk is taking us over an hour. I know, yeah, what a disappointment. I've ruined it for everyone. (laughs) Right, thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you all have a lovely New Year's and let's, let's hope we're talking about a win on the next pod and we'll see you later. 